Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. If ever you've gone on, on holidays and you've bought one of those, you've gone to a shop and you've saw a, seen a jigsaw puzzle and it's got this magnificent picture on the outside and you think that'd be a great holiday puzzle to do. And so, you know, you you take it, you put it on the table, you turn all the pieces over, and the first thing you do is get all the borders ready. Get all of those borders ready because then you're about to fill in what's, what's on the inside. And hours of looking begin. Hours of searching, checking the box, checking the pieces, it all starts to look the same. And then after many hours, days, weeks, however long it has taken you, you get to almost the very end only to discover, only to discover that there is one piece that is missing. One piece, even though you've got the picture and it's almost done, there is this one piece missing. And so you go looking under the table, in the box, in the plastic bag, you know, everywhere, and this one piece is missing. And who would have thought that that one thing could have made such a difference to the overall picture? And I want to ask you a question this morning. What is that one thing in your life that makes the difference to the picture of your life? What is that one thing? There is one thing, and I know we could talk about many things today, but there is one thing in your life that if I get that, if I find that, if I walk in that, then it somehow completes the picture of my life, and that one thing makes the the difference. The Apostle Paul answered the question, Out of Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, he says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but this one thing that I do is forgetting what is behind, straining towards what is ahead, and I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This is the Apostle Paul. Paul could say in that moment many things because he did experience many things, but he said three very profound things, and I think if the Apostle Paul learned this, then we can gain some wisdom and counsel out of this too. And he says these three things, I forget, I forget what's behind, I reach toward what's ahead, and I press, I press towards the goal. If you and I are going to step into our future, we might as well focus on the future because that's where we're going. The past is gone. So if the only place that we're all stepping into is our future, so we might as well give that our whole attention here this morning. And this one thing that the Apostle Paul says, he says, if I can do this, if I can do this, and here's a man who faced shipwreck, I mean, if I had faced shipwreck, I would write a book. You need to know how I survived shipwreck. I do have a boat story, but I don't have time to tell you. It's when I jumped ship. 
you know that thing about don't get out of the ship? Well, I did get out of the ship and Byron was driving, which just goes to show you've got to trust the driver, right? There's a whole message in that right there. Anyway, that's another, that'll be a sermon one day. There was a boat coming for us. I didn't quite trust the driver of the boat. So what did I do? I jumped overboard and swam to safety and swam to shore. And I've not repented either. That's another story. We used to have a Labrador dog. We've had many dogs. And uh, we used to have a Labrador dog. This dog was typically named Bonnie because that's what you do. And... uh, Bonnie had a bit of a, you know, a bit of an anatomy problem. Bonnie's legs were only this big and Bonnie's belly was that big. So Bonnie's legs didn't quite carry Bonnie to where Bonnie needed to go or where I wanted Bonnie to go. And there were times when you do the right thing, you own a dog, you take it out for a walk, right? So I'd take Bonnie out for a walk, but at one almost every time, close to home, like close to home. Home wouldn't be any further away than the start of our driveway here. Close to home, Bonnie decides, we're done. We are not going anywhere. Bonnie would sit in the middle of the road and Bonnie is not getting up. And I would coerce, I'd pull, I'd exercise authority, you know, Bonnie, you know that abrupt voice, nothing. Come on, Bonnie, you can do it. Come on, your encouragement, love, care, assertiveness again. Nothing I did would get Bonnie off that road. And in the end, it's kind of like, if you don't get up from here, you are going to die. Because sooner or later, a car's going to come around that corner and that's the end of Bonnie. And I don't know about you, but I've had a few Bonnie moments in my own life. I've had a few. I don't want to get up. I don't feel like walking. I don't want to be pulled. I don't want to push open a door. I know home is close, but I'm just not moving. I'm weary. I'm tired, I'm frustrated, and I think we've all had a Bonnie moment. Food might have done it. A smart owner, dog owner, would have brought Labrador's love food. Come on, Bonnie. Come on. Even Bonnie, we used to have a 10-meter drop piece of land, and one night at 7 o'clock at night, Bonnie got stuck at the bottom of the 10-meter drop. There is no way this Labrador is attempting that climb. Bonnie is stuck. And all you can hear is the whimper and the cry of a Labrador stuck at the bottom of the hill. So what do you do? You ring up your son-in-law right on dinner time. Maddie, can you come and get Bonnie from the bottom of the hill? Because I can't lift her. I can't get her up. And Maddie had to come and lift Bonnie to a place where she was safe. You know, there comes a time when we've done the climb before and I don't know whether I want to do it again. And I want to tell you right now that the Holy Spirit is saying, do it again. 
It's time to get up off the road. It's time to get up off the, off the place where you might have got stuck. It's time to get up and move with the Lord again. It's time to do the climb again because it's worth it. See, Byron has a, and you know his testimony. If you've been around, you know his testimony. And he'll say things like, I can't tell you much. He'll say, I can't tell you much, but this one thing, this one thing I can tell you is that I was once a man that was fully addicted and then Jesus came into my life and I'm no longer addicted, I'm now a free man. He said, this one thing I can tell you, he said, there's a thousand things I can't tell you, but I can tell you, I can tell you this one thing, that this is what Jesus did and it changed my life. I don't want to waste 40 years in a wilderness, wandering around like Israel did. What a waste of four decades. I don't want to look back at the ruins. I don't want to look back and get stuck like the Labrador dog did and say, I'm not moving. The Apostle Paul said, I've got to forget and I've got to reach toward the prize of my high calling. I've called this message this morning, Providence is a great word. It almost sounds like, I don't know what it sounds like. I know it's a Latin word, but it's got this um, Italian feel to it, and yet it's, it's Latin. I've been asked a few times if I'm Italian. I'm not. Just because I like lasagna does not make you Italian, apparently. I like spaghetti bolognese. That doesn't make you Italian either. But I do like this word, providence. It's a Latin word. To break it into two parts, it's pro, providentia. That's the, pro, providentia. Pro means before. It means to see ahead of time. To see ahead of time. This word videntia, it means to see. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us, the church. He sees ahead of time. He starts to awaken us to see ahead of time. We may not see everything with this, but we start to see with the eyes of the Spirit that the eyes of our understanding are awakened and enlightened. And there is a sense that this is the way that God's going. So if he's going there, I want to go too. I'm a West Australian by birth and <clears throat> my parents, I don't know why they ever took us to the beach because neither of them swam. So, you know, when you're nine years of age, it's a bad idea having two parents on the beach with a nine-year-old in the ocean. But they took us to Margaret River, which is a favourite ho holiday destination in Western Australia, notoriously known for great white sharks if I wasn't more secure, I could think, why would they take me there? <laughs> you know, but um, I've, I've let that go. Um, <coughs> so our parents took us to, to this place, Margaret River. It's a coastal area and, you know, shark sightings are almost regular. Anyway, my father's instructions were this. Just swim there. Don't move from that spot. And keep your eyes on me. Don't move away from that place and stay close so you can hear my voice. Well, what else does a nine-year-old do? You know what I mean? You wander off. You lose sight of where your father was. 
you've moved away from the safe zone that you were told to be and I can no longer hear my father's voice. So wrapped up in enjoying the ocean and I didn't notice the waving, frantic waving of my parents' arms because I was without earshot of my father's voice. We had drifted away from the safe place. We had drifted out further than where we were told to be. We had drifted outside of the borders of safety and I could not hear my father's voice. Neither could I understand what the waving of arms meant and they were trying to alert me that behind me was 11 fins and they were not dolphins. It was, <laughs> it was the other. 11 shark fins. And I want to tell you right now that we want to stay within the Father's voice. That we want to stay within the borders of where the Father has told us to be. Don't drift away from the safety of hearing what the Father is saying. Don't drift away from the borders of where I've told you to be. You know, when Peter was called to get out of the boat, I mean, that's a bad idea right there. We've got a storm, we've got wind, we've got waves, it's nighttime, visibility is awful. But he acts upon Jesus' voice. And it's one thing just venturing out under your own understanding. That's a bad idea. But it's another thing when you get a specific word at a specific time that I want you to step here and go there and do this and trust me in this and I'll lead the way in this. It's a very different place to be other than leaning upon our own understanding and stepping into territory that we were not called to go. Peter had a rhema word. And there's been times where as a church we too have been given a rhema word. And it didn't make sense to anybody else. When Joseph was given the word that he was given, it, his brothers didn't understand that, but Joseph was given the dream. The dream wasn't given to the brothers. And there's times when God gives you something and you want to stay within the Father's earshot. You want to stay within the borders of the spoken, of the spoken word. The Lord spoke to me many years ago. He said, if you would stay within the borders of my presence, he said, then I will give to you my perspective. And I have lived that for years, but I know what it is to be in his presence. I know what it is to have his perspective. And I know what it is to be outside of the borders. And I lose sight of his voice and his perspective when you try to work it all out out of your own understanding. He gives us the ability to see ahead of time. Should I pursue that? David asked that question. Do, do, I, do I go after the Philistines or not? And God said, go, I'm with you. It would be a foolish thing if David did that and God was not with him. And sometimes Christians can be so, you know, almost reckless. Well, God will go with me. Will he? Will he? Did he call you to that or not? I remember speaking in New Zealand one time and this woman came to me and she said, I don't know where she was going to go. I, I don't know whether it was Iraq or Iran or one of those terrible places where, you know, it's dangerous to preach the gospel. And she said, I'm going to leave my children here and I'm going over there because I'm called to be a missionary. And I said, has God told you to do this? 
have you spoken to your pastor about this? I said, what about the children you're leaving back home? No, God has told me. And I just knew it wasn't the Lord. And I don't know what happened to her, but I connected her in with her pastor so that they could work it out. But I tell you, you don't do that unless God has told you to do that. Otherwise, you're getting out of the safety of a boat, stepping into a storm that you are ill-equipped to deal with. And if you don't have a rhema word on that, that storm's going to take you out in one way or another. We've got to stay within the borders of the Father's voice. Remember the, the account of Abram in Genesis 13, 14, Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, to lift up your eyes from where you are? From where we are today, let's lift up our eyes. This is what I want us to pray as a church. Let's look to the north. Is that north, Dave? David, my, my compass is sometimes off. Is that north? That way? Really? Okay, that's north. <laughs> that means that's got to be south, right? Where do I go next? West and east. Anyway, you know what I mean. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. North, I would have said north was there because I think that's where Ormo is, isn't it? It's there. Wherever we are today, where are we? <laughs> Wherever we are today, let's not get stuck like the Labrador on the road. Pull, tug, coerce, plead, beg, be kind, be aggressive. Let's not be the Labrador dog on the road because sooner or later something's going to come along and it's going to take us out and we're going to be nowhere. But let's begin to declare to the north, to the south, to the east of the west, all the land that you can see I will give to you and your offspring forever. If God was that God to Abram, why is he not that God to you and I? If he's the God that can just do these things in Abram's day, why not us? As far as I know in the Bible, he is the God of then, he's the God of now, and he's the God of tomorrow. He looks for the same faith. He looks for people that will respond to his word. Genesis 13, 17, go and walk the length and the breadth of the land I'm giving you. You know, we have physically done that. We have physically done that with one eye on the ground to see if there's any snakes down there. Because I don't want to test that word that you'll tread, tread, tread on, what is it, scorpions and snakes and they'll not harm you. Don't want to test that today. Although I have had one wrap itself around my ankle, so I've come close, right? Sometimes you've got to walk it out, physically. We've walked around the borders of church land that we knew God was giving us when the council said no, when no one wanted to give us any money, when we didn't have enough people, when we didn't have anything, and yet you walk around the borders of the land that I'm giving you and you start to declare every family that will come every son that will come, every daughter that will come, every prodigal that will return, every one that will be healed, people that will worship and praise the Lord. We've got to look ahead. We've got to see beyond where we are today. Otherwise, remember Bonnie. 
I won't tell you the end of a life, it's far too sad. Abram in chapter 13, verse 18, had to move his tents and built an altar. You know, God's been speaking to me about this lately. Not so much this kind of altar, but this kind of altar. This place of visitation where, God, here I am again. I love that worship song, Mark. You know, we'll lift our hands again and again. It just, it, it's just the thing to do. It's just the way to go. It's the, if you want to live in a, a more expanded place with God, that's what we do. You've got to see where God is taking us, what he was doing. We've got to walk, we've got to worship. I'll try and pull this back a little bit because I'm already <laughs> one minute and 36 minutes over. guys are so anyway we've got to lift up our eyes again we've got to stop looking down stop looking behind stop looking around it's time to reach and it's time to press <clears throat> to overcome something and to get a breakthrough in my little limited bit of experience is it doesn't get dropped on me if I want to break through, there's times where I got to press. And I got to, I got to press like this in the spirit realm, if you know what I mean. There comes a time, you know, yesterday I was, I, we got home and helping my daughter move house and all of those things. And I, I did a little flop moment on the couch at some point in the afternoon before we had to go back to my daughter's house. And Anyway, I turned on the TV and I watched some interview between a woman and a, and a doctor. I don't even know what sort of doctor she is. And she's like 76 years of age and she's doing push-ups and she's doing all those exercises. I don't even know the names to them and, you know, all of that. And anyway, she says to the interviewer, how old are you? And this woman, whatever she was, she said, I haven't been done any exercise for two years. And she said, pick up that pen and drop it on the floor. And she did that and she said, that's where your body's going because gravity's going to take over. And I thought, <laughs> you know, it's just like, <laughs> this is so depressing. <laughs> anyway, she said, and this, this interviewer said, um, but I lack the motivation. No, she said, I've, she said, I've got the motivation, but it's just, I'm so tired. She said it's got nothing to do with motivation. She's get, she says it's got everything to do with discipline. <sighs> I thought, do you know that word has been plaguing me since yesterday afternoon? I even went to the Lord about it this morning. I said, God, I'm so sorry that I've been undisciplined here and I'm going to the gym this afternoon. So if, if I, thank you, Esther. Thank you, Esther. It's all about, it's not even about motivation. It's about why do we pray? Well, I'm tired. It's not about motivation. This is my new message. It's all about discipline. 
We pray because we're disciplined to the Lord. We come to church not because we feel like it or don't feel like it. It's because we need, we need to be in a place of worship. We need our brothers and our sisters around us. We need to stand together in faith. We need to just fill the gaps and say, devil, there's no entrance here. You're not welcome here. That's not about motivation. If we leave it with motivation, we'll go by feelings and how I am today. But discipline has you shown up. So I'm going to go and do my little 15 minutes this afternoon. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you. You can check in on me and see how I went. It's about discipline. What is this one thing for you? What is this one thing for you? Because amazing things take place out of decision. Out of decision. Out of decision, enthusiasm grows. Out of decision, we start to build. Out of decision, those pieces in the puzzle that I mentioned at the start start to fill up. Out of decision, <clears throat> we stay within the Father's earshot. This one thing. The Apostle Paul knew about this one thing. David, David, he's the guy that we sang about this morning that, you know, Oh, Goliath drops to his feet. This one thing that David said that I ask of the Lord is this. He's the giant slayer. He's the one that goes into the Philistine camp. He's the one that had to overcome not being accepted by the family or others thinking he wasn't ready or worthy to become a king. And yet he says this one thing out of Psalm 27.4 is that I would be a seeker and a dweller. A seeker and a dweller. A seeker and a dweller. Do you know, if I wasn't doing what I do, do you know what I would do? I would stand on the front door and I would shake every hand that walked in. Because I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I went to Bible college with people that said, unless you give me the platform with a microphone in hand to preach the gospel, I will not serve in the house. I have heard that with these ears. Do you know what I said? And I'm not, I'm not boasting here, but I said, I don't need to do that. Give me a cleaning cloth. Give me a mop. I used to go in and clean the toilets. These were the days when louvered windows were in the church everywhere. To this day, I don't even clean my own windows because I wash so many louvers. I'd rather dwell in the house of the Lord than spend a day out there into no man's land. I'd rather dwell in the house of the Lord and and. Say, welcome to church today. David said this one thing, that I could be a seeker and a dweller. Nehemiah, this one thing I get the feeling in his life is, I got to fulfill the mission of building up those walls and those gates. If this one thing I do in my life is, is that and everything else has to go. I've got to build the walls around Jerusalem. I've got to mend the gates because we can't have an enemy coming and going, coming and going in and out and destroying what God has for his people. That's a message for another day. But I tell you, parents in the room, it's time to fight for our families. 
It's time to fight for our children. It's time to fight for this generation. It's time to say, those gates have been wide open too long. It's time for us to say, I've got to build those gates and build up those walls because that enemy's not coming in anymore. Not on my watch, not in my day, not in my generation. And if I have to press toward the goal of the high calling and I've got to sacrifice a bit of time and I've got to sacrifice a bit of sleep, here's my answer to that. I go to bed early. I go to bed earlier so that I can get up and I can pray. And I've got to build on that. I've got to build on that. This word providence, Zerubbabel's thing. I get the feeling that his time, this is my moment, this is my, this is my place. I've got to build that temple. I've got to build that temple. I've got to build that house. Something's been sitting in ruins here. Joshua, the Spirit of God came on Joshua, Zerubbabel, and the, and the remnant of the people, and that word remnant's been overused. But I tell you what, the church in, of Jesus Christ in this hour and this day is you and I. It's, it's you and I. We've got to build the temple. Why? Because God is preparing the temple for those outside of these walls to come in and find God again, to find a family, to find a brother, to find a sister, to find an environment to grow, to find people, to find people that will disciple them in the ways of the Lord. This word providence, God begins to stir us so that we'll see what's coming ahead of time. This famous little scripture, Esther 4.14, we all know. How do you know? How do you know whether you've maybe been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? I tell you, that's been stirring in me and I thought, maybe this is our time. Maybe this is our time. That we've been brought into this generation that We've been brought into the kingdom of God for such a time as this. God, what do you want me to do with this? What is the one thing? And I've said it a couple of times in the last few months. I've said, I can't offer you much. I don't have a lot to give, but what I can give is this. I can pray. I know how to pray. I know how to pray with authority. I know how to stand in the gap. I know how to dismantle the works of the enemy. I know how to pray. If that's my one thing, that I'm satisfied with that one thing. I think our multitasking world has created a weakness in the church because we're managing so many different things. And may God give us wisdom on what we do with all of that. I better have the team up because I'm cutting into your day, but Paul told us to lay aside the weights, not those gym weights I'm going to do later today, but I could live to regret that, but um, to lay aside those weights, to prevent us from going forward, pressing forward. What is your one thing in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John? They're on their way to the temple. And they met with a crippled man. They met with a crippled man. Do you know every single day we are met with people that are crippled by the events of their lives? They've been crippled by a marriage breakdown. They've been crippled by a child that's broken their heart. They've been crippled by 
you know, being unemployed. They've been crippled by a, a million different things. And we can be so busy going on to our next assignment that we miss seeing the crippled one. We miss seeing that that one just might need a word, a touch. You know, yesterday, our beautiful Esther, <laughs> we were loaded up, you know. We've got two grandchildren, we've got bags, we've got kitty stuff, I've got the flowers that the ladies gave me and we're loaded up. I've got a chair, just add that to it. Cripple, uh, cripple. <laughs> we were crippled, weren't we, Esther? And my little three-year-old granddaughter decided, I'm not walking. She was like, Bonnie, I am. She sat on the road and I'm not going. Esther comes along, carries the bags, I think you carried the chair, didn't you? Carried the flowers and then told the three-year-old, get on my back and I'll piggyback you. All the way to the car. And I tell you, if that isn't a picture of the church, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Let's not miss this moment. It's time that we started to pick up and carry on the way to the temple, what a religious thing to do, the house of God, got to get to church. What can we miss from one meeting to the next? Or maybe on the way to church and this man is crippled, he wants money because he didn't know what else to ask for. And Peter and John said, I can't give you the silver. I can't give you the gold. But what I do have, what I do have, this one thing I do have. I can give to you Jesus Christ of Nazareth because this is what he's done in my life. I used to be that and I'm not that anymore. I used to live for myself and I don't anymore. I used to have no purpose, no reason, no destiny, no future, no hope. I used to be this, but I'm not anymore. And that's the sum total of my story in Byron's. We used to be that, but we're not anymore. Because we were the ones that were once crippled. While many walked past us until, until Jesus came. Last story, and then I'll close. Caleb Slatcher came to mow our lawn, and it was so green on the day he came. It was, it was beautiful. It was green. And he said, I'm going to cut this green grass all the way down to the dirt. And I went from green grass to a straw hat. I mean, it was, it, it, there wasn't a blade of green anywhere. It was like, what happened here? You know, we've gone from green to brown. He's looking at the future and I'm looking in the now. I'm looking at the straw hat that is now my grass. Used to be. He's saying, trust me. I know what's coming. I've been watching YouTube. I mean, what can go wrong? You know what I mean? What could possibly go wrong here? Do you know today, that grass has gone from straw hat brown to green. Because he had providence. He had eyes to see where this was going. He said, just give it a few weeks. There's life underneath. 
as we sometimes be cut back, we're sometimes pruned by the Spirit of God and we think, what is going on in my life? I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing in your life. And he's pruned you and he's cut you back for a reason because he knows what's underneath. He knows what's in the soil. He knows the seed that's been planted. And it's time to water it by faith and give him all the honor and say, God, I thank you that new life is coming. Better than before. Better than before. But we've got to trust And we've got to stay within the borders of his presence, stay within earshot of the Father's voice, and God will finish what he has begun to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I pray for everyone in the room today. I do. I pray for everyone in the room today. Awaken our eyes, I pray. Stir us within. Cause the church here at Gilston to begin to call out to the north, south, east and west. If we're looking at brown grass today, God, give us the eyes to see what's coming, who's coming. In Jesus' name, I pray you'd touch every life powerfully today and that this seed be planted and it will produce the harvest it was meant to all the way long. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.